Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Runner's World Podcast, the weekly podcast bringing you all the latest running news, views and interviews. I'm Rick Pearson, the Runner's World section editor, and I'm here with Ben Hobson, the digital editor. Ben, what have we got coming up this week? This week we are talking about the rise of virtual racing with runner and journalist Isaac Williams and professional Zwifter Stephen Cousins. Virtual racing is on the rise with more and more people signing up to take part of races in the digital realm. But what's the appeal? Will it ever compare to the real thing? Well, let's find out. (laughs) Let's find out. Right then, Pearson, what have you been up to? Well, I took part in the analogue half pint half, which is a small, unofficial, and it must be said, wildly irresponsible <laughs> event, uh, which involves the running of 13 miles and drinking of 13 half pints. Right. Uh, so it's been going for a, th- a few years. Um, this which, is an event of your making. I, yeah, this is an unofficial right. event that, um, yeah, that I've, I've helped to put on. And uh, this year we ran along the Thames Path. Lovely. So no hills, uh, from Barnes to Waterloo. And um, at one point, in the Dove pub near Hammersmith, we encountered a wedding. And it's, you think, on your big day, it's your big day, and, and you come to the Dove, which is a very nice pub in Hammersmith, and you encounter a run, drink, run event. Yeah, but I think if you're having your wedding in a pub, you can... You've you know, asked for it. Yeah, well, no, I mean, but, you know, you, 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 the clientele are going to be your guests. That's true. You take the rough with the smooth, but, yeah, it was good. Um, Some sweaty runners. Yeah, there's about 20 of us. <laughs> oh, wow. So quite good, Strong yeah. Strong field. And actually, I'm particularly proud of a few of the names that were um, that were constructed. So we had... Um, what do you mean names? So basically, you can't you couldn't compete as Ben Hobson on the half by half. Oh, okay. You need to have you need to have a half by half name, a run, drink, run name. Oh, right. So you could be Mojito Farah. Very good. Or Sir Roger... Sir Roger Budweiser was another good one. That's very good. Uh, we've had Paula Red Stripe in the past. Brendan Foster's. That's easy. That's um, too easy. And there's a few that were kind of off piece. We had um, Mary Queen of Scotch was another one. Good. Sambuca L. Jackson. It's, Martini it's... Luther King. <laughs> I mean, the list goes on. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and we'll probably have another go next year uh, and hopefully encounter another wedding. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds very fun. Yeah. This is the Runner's World podcast. Let's get our guest of the week in, Ben. Oh, the jingle. Come on in, Isaac. This is, imagine like, um, imagine sort of The Who. It's a collaboration. <laughs> imagine The Who, it's a collaboration and then <laughs> immediately forget what The Who are like. <laughs> guest of the week, here in the studio. Guest of the week, sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Welcoming to the studio, complete unknown, Isaac Williams. (laughs) Thank you for having me back. I'm joking, of course, Isaac, you are renowned sports journalist. What an honour. Back by by literally no demand whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the upcoming issue of Runners World, uh, you've written a very interesting piece about the rise of virtual running. And to set the scene, Ben, I'd, I'd like you to 
read the opening paragraph if you would in your most futuristic voice. We humans, so the best-selling story goes, were born to run. But while the basic movement mechanics haven't changed much since we climbed down from the trees, our reasons for running have altered greatly. The hunt for prey has been replaced by the hunt for PBs. And now, like sighting before it, running has finally set foot into the virtual world. <laughs> Very good. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks. <laughs> well, sort of futuristic, sort of creepy again. <laughs> Tell us more, Isaac. What do we mean by a virtual racing? Virtual races are kind of races by uh, name only. So they tend to be kind of individual challenges rather than um, races in the kind of traditional sense. And while you do have platforms like uh, Zwift, like you mentioned earlier, and Run Social. Um, that do allow you to kind of compete against others in kind of real time. Most virtual races are kind of distance or elevation challenges where you kind of have to run a marathon or achieve a certain amount of elevation um, that needs to be completed over the course of a month, a week, or sometimes in one go. Do you think that the, the, the virtual is less intimidating than the real world race? So this is why the, the rise has been so sort of like emphatic to begin with is that there's not the pressure of just attending the start line you just do it when you want yeah that's definitely the kind of main um part of their appeal i think um a lot of people are put off traditional races because they find them quite intimidating um because of the kind of perceived pressure and the competition um but it doesn't matter how inclusive a race is um for complete beginners just the mere fact of running alongside all those people can be quite a daunting prospect. Um, so I think virtual races give runners the chance to kind of achieve something um, and get rec- recognition for completing a distance or, or whatever the challenge might be without any of the kind of nerves associated associated with um, lining up on the start line. I guess it's also a good solution for time-poor runners. I guess there's no, like... Uh traveling to and from an event in the virtual world yeah there's no yeah like i said there's no travel i think even if you live 10 minutes from your local race um you still need to uh, you're still gonna have to travel to the race you're still gonna have to get there half an hour before it starts at least uh wait for your medal at the end blah 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 yeah whereas with a virtual race you can literally turn your phone on hit record mm. and away you go so how, how big a role does does the bling i guess like race medals or something particularly play in virtual racing yeah, I think there's definitely a greater importance placed on medals in the kind of virtual racing world. Right. Um, and I think that's mainly because for the organisers, the medal is really, it's kind of all they've got to focus on. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they make more of an effort. Um, and the medal is also what entices most racers to a virtual event. Um, so from what I can work out, that means they just put more effort into them. So you have a kind of wide array of um, intricately designed medals, whereas with mass participation events, um, kind of, it's a volume, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, I guess like you can integrate loads of different extra challenges into one race, so not necessarily there'd be. And I mean, again, I'm speculating whether this happens, but there's like a finish the race bit, but there might be like a segment within the race mm. that someone might get the fastest time for versus yeah, yeah, yeah. like ending just the general race sort of thing. Yeah, so it's a bit more tailored to yeah. the kind of individual. Yeah, mm, that's interesting. Some of these medals are nuts, aren't they? They're not like kind of a round piece of no you bronze. get 3d uh yeah like moving parts and all sorts yeah, yeah it's a it's a big bad world out there reason medals. enough to have a go can i ask a really uh, really sort of basic question i'm guessing that these virtual races these are these are treadmill based right uh no so for the for the app based ones like zwift and run social they are yeah 
you're on a treadmill, you've got a screen in front of you, and you've got an avatar who's kind of okay. representing you on the screen. Yeah. Um, but for no, for many of them, you just need to submit evidence using like a like Strava or Matmaram or whatever you use. Uh, okay. Um, and that's that's kind of it. So you can do it. That's the beauty of it. You can do it literally wherever. Wherever you want. Yeah. If you wanted to, you could do it around your living room or just like around the park or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. wherever takes your fancy. Yeah, it's versatile, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and I think that the, a lot of these platforms are sort of, well, Zwift and those places, they have like fabricated mm. realms that you live in, like Watopia and all these sorts of stuff. But mm. more and more, I think that actual race courses will be integrated into what people can run. Right. If you can do a virtual New York Well, as you, So, you know, half a million people applied for London Marathon this year. So do you think that virtual races could kind of, like, fill that gap? I mean, are we going to see that on, like, in a few years' time, London Marathon will t- be taking place on the streets of London with the other one and a half million who didn't make it in just doing it virtually? Yeah. You mentioned London Marathon there, but um, so New York City Roadrunners mm. teamed up with Strava last year to launch a, uh, a vir- virtual marathon for the New York City Marathon. Um, and the kind of the prize on offer was guaranteed entry to this year's, so 2019's right. uh, oh, real, like, real world marathon. Mm. Um, so I, I, don't think, I don't think they're ever going to um, plug the gap, so to say, but I think, because I think if, you, if, you, if you're applying for a big city marathon, um, you, want, you want the atmosphere, you yeah. want the... The kind of camaraderie, blah blah blah, and and mm. no virtual event is ever going to replicate that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think with things like the New York Marathon, like if you can get a free place or whatever, I think they can be a kind of a stepping stone to yeah. the real thing. I mean, so Zwift again, they have the cycling academies, and actually maybe a triathlon one as well okay. now, which is they've done this previously, and that people submit their, their times and they race, and then they take part in this sort of academy, and you but you can end up with a um, you you join a, a pro tour team, so Dimension Data. Right, you can win a spot on a pro level team. Wow! So it's kind of like a new element to a training academy mm. by just sort of sourcing the best people in the world via virtual racing. Yeah, it's smart, isn't it? That kind of interface between the real world right. and the it digital. just makes yeah. you think, like you know, is, is GB Athletics are they suddenly going to go like, all right, well look, mm. we can't see, we you know we we rely on people attending athletics yeah, clubs, scouts, and that yeah, sort of stuff. yeah. So why don't we just cast the net wider and just like oh look this guy's running 14 minute 5k's everywhere like yeah. let's <laughs> find out who he is yeah oh, it's a good point isn't it yeah. I mean, you mentioned a little bit there about um the kind of big city marathons and how like you're going to struggle to recreate the you know the sense of excitement on the streets of london that, that you will if you run around your own living room are any of these apps making efforts to make it more sociable or is it very much kind of solitary thing like i mentioned the the kind of treadmill based apps where you have an avatar on the screen that they allow for a bit of interaction with yeah uh, kind of fellow runners who are doing that same race at the same time yeah um and with strava you can obviously give kudos and comment on people's efforts um if you see they've done a specific challenge or race or whatever um but yeah i mean there's no getting around the fact that at the moment, at least, most virtual races are kind of a much more solitary pursuit, and that again is part of their appeal because it's, mm. um, yeah, because of the there's no logistics involved, and people who may be intimidated by larger scale races can kind of do it in their own time on their yeah. own. Yeah. I think we, you mentioned logistics, and I think that we would we've had people talk about the environmental impact of larger races. So I guess this again removes yeah. a whole heap of that. I mean, yeah. apart from I guess streaming 
costs yeah, to the environment. Yeah, and medal production, I guess, is the yeah. only other thing. But um, the big city marathons are definitely making effort to clean up the rap, but just by virtue of having thousands of people in one place at one time, yeah. it's going to create a lot, of, yeah. a lot of waste and kind of travel-related pollution. But, um, yeah, with, with kind of virtual races, um, they're obviously not confined to a specific location. Yeah, like we said, just the medal production is the only real thing that, that's required, so they're clearly more sustainable. Yeah. In Ben's incredible introduction, he alluded to the book Born to Run, and there's a passage that actually you mentioned in the article. It says, you know, Chris McDougall wrote, the reason we race isn't so much to beat each other, but to be with each other. And I'm worried that virtual racing kind of completely misses out on some of that camaraderie. What do you think? I think that's definitely the argument of someone who prefers real real kind of races, yeah. real in inverted commas. Um, but that cam- camaraderie that many people do enjoy is a result of hundreds or thousands of people being in one place mm. and if um, if you're a complete beginner or anyone who just prefers running alone yeah uh, that's actually intimidating rather than something yeah. to kind of look forward to yeah I know what you mean that, that quote suggests that we want to be with each other yeah doesn't precisely it? Yeah. yeah yeah are there any other aspects of real world racing that kind of the virtual will not always fail to replicate I mean we talked about environment and atmosphere and all those sorts of things but is a sort of like a fundamental what do you think it covers off i guess the crowd supports that's a yeah. that's a major factor mm. in in these kind of big city races that you're never going to be able to replicate um and also the kind of uh, the post race feeling of of sharing that of achieving something with all those people is is it's like an euphoric moment isn't it and yeah. i think no matter um how inclusive these virtual races become you're never going to be able to replicate uh crossing that finish line with thousands of other people yeah I think so as well. I mean, I'm, I'm, as you know, not a particularly digitally savvy person, mm. but I really struggle to, to completely get the appeal of this. Like, you know, after writing the article, do you, were you more tempted to have a go at kind of a virtual race? I definitely understood the world better. I, I think I, I like you, was quite sceptical about it beforehand. Mm. Um, and a lot of one of the main criticisms levelled at uh, virtual racing is that. It's just a way for people to make easy money because they just have they just have to produce medals and they yeah, kind of right. farm them out. Yeah. Um, but having spoken to a few runners who do enjoy virtual racing, it's it's kind of an excellent stepping stone to the real thing, um, and also it's a way to kind of get some recognition for all the hard work you put in in training. Yes. Yeah. You, you can you can you know get a medal and get some get some acknowledgement. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't think they necessarily need to be seen as kind of competing against real world mm. races i think they can kind of complement yeah. complement the real thing thank you very much guys for coming on to my little podcast to talk about uh, virtual racing i think i might have a go this is the runner's world podcast stephen cousins was an early adopter to the zwift platform and was the first to run and stream a marathon now he is a level 21 zwift runner some of you might have seen his youtube channel film my run or even joined him on a run on a live stream around Watopia on Monday Run Club. We are delighted to have him with us now. So I think we'll, we've just had Isaac in who's written a feature for us about virtual running and we wanted to kind of get a take from someone who is uh, passionately involved in it. Um, what is it do you, that you find so appealing about virtual running? Um, I don't, it's not that I find virtual running appealing. I would not, let me say it right at the start, <laughs> I would not choose... Um, 100% of the time to go on a treadmill rather than run outside. It would would be run outside 
much more of the time if, if you know if that was the choice yeah um and and i do the majority of my running outdoors uh, sometimes um the the draw of of running on a treadmill is necessity uh and other times it is definitely for fun um, and yeah so the, the the third reason would be because i want to do a specific kind of training right or or i i want to um discipline myself in, in a particular way on the treadmill mm. got it yeah i think that i mean i um i've used Zwift before not not as a race but for specific training sessions and found it super useful when time is is sort of short and, and you're sort of forced indoors um i think that there's a real there's a real benefit to doing things like that sure i mean um like i said earlier the, the the first reason would be and a lot of people use the treadmill because they simply can't get out of the house mm. uh, you know i I've, I've got kids that i have to look after my wife is also a runner and our club sessions are often shared um sometimes she's out of the house and you know i don't have a choice really and that's why that's why actually i came to run on zwift in the first place because i already had a treadmill in the house which i use on a regular basis right I, i've never called it the treadmill. i've always found it to be a, a very useful part of my training um and so yeah I, I i i think that i used the treadmill initially out of necessity um then when zwift came along you know we're either watching videos, aren't we, or we're staring at a blank wall. And it, yeah, I guess for some people it can get pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Um, it it, it kind of didn't for me because I in in my head I always had a kind of goal that I wanted to achieve, and and I'm always thinking about what I'm doing on the treadmill and why I'm there and 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 where I'm going next in you know in the next 15 minutes or half an hour or whatever it might be. Um, so, but for some people, you know, uh, providing some entertainment. Is, is a vital part of being able for them to, to train um, on the treadmill or otherwise not train at all. Um, so Zwift coming along was an absolute godsend for me and for a lot of people in terms of providing that extra bit of entertainment. And then it, and then it becomes more than that. Um, it, it becomes somewhere where you actually do meet other people and, and kind of have a, a community and I now see Zwift as like a second running club because I do training sessions on there twice a week, um, Wednesdays and Mondays. Um, the, the same people kind of tend to turn up. You get to know people's names. You, you have banter with them on, the, on tech. Yeah, and, and so it becomes more, more than um, simply a way to just be entertained and stop you getting bored on the treadmill. It becomes a whole new world of running uh, with a whole new set of people uh, and a, a whole new set of goals. So this social side of it, because I think it is an interesting um, dimension to apps like Zwift that people might not um, expect. When these people are turning up, how how are you kind of initiating banter and the kind of things that you would do in a in a kind of analog running club? Okay, so it's um, it is still new technology, and what we do at the moment is very basic text messaging. So there is a feature on Zwift where if you press M on the keyboard, you can type a message. Right. Um, you can you can do that on your phone as well. So you can you can as long as you're logged into Zwift with the what's called the Zwift companion app on your phone, uh, you can type a message on your phone. Now, Zwift themselves, HQ, are, are not terribly happy from a safety con- yeah. uh, conscious point of view about yeah. people running on the treadmill and typing on their phone. So they are trying to develop 
um, newer, uh, better ways of communicating, i.e. voice chat of some description at some stage. But it's a, a little way off yet. It hasn't been developed yet. So we're still at the stage of typing messages to each other. Right. But um, you, because you, you have a YouTube channel which people can, can, can find. It's a film my run, right? That's correct. That's right. Yeah, yeah. filmmyrun.com started off years ago, me filming my outdoor races and editing them down into little films. And I still do that. So people... um, but I also now do a, a lot of live streaming of Zwift. And a lot of the, um, a lot of the regular runners will tune in to my, my live stream yeah. and, and listen to me talking whilst they're running. So that, and, and I can, if people are, are messaging me or sending messages that I can see on the screen, yeah. Rather than having to type, I can simply talk back to them because I know that they're listening. What would you say to anyone, Stephen, who's considering taking up virtual running? Um, take it up. Um, you know, there's no reason. Treadmill running doesn't have to be this kind of scary or annoying or boring or dull thing that you sometimes have to do or, or swear blind that you never, ever will do. So help me God, you know, um, Add, add treadmill running to, to your training regime. One thing I find in terms of training, treadmill running is a really good leveler. Um, it, you know, you don't have curbs or tree roots or wind or traffic or traffic lights or other people or dogs that are going to get in your way. You simply run on a flat surface. You don't have to concentrate on anything other than your form, your technique, your cadence, your stride length, um, your body posture. All of those things are brought right into focus when you run in a treble. Yes, the, the mechanics of your running might be slightly different, but in general, what you're achieving is, is a focused run that you can't really get anywhere else. Also, it's very good at teaching you to keep to speed, keep to um, a pace. Um, you know, you, you set your treadmill at 12 kilometers an hour or, or whatever it might be, and, and you run at that pace for half an hour, an hour. When you get out onto the road, you will be able to feel a lot better what a, what a particular pace is all about and being able to stick to that pace and getting even splits. It's really good for that kind of training. Oh, brilliant. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and to giving us some insight into the world of virtual racing. It's, uh, I think it's something that we'll, we'll probably all be doing a lot more of in the near future. Let's hope so. My life depends on it. Then. <laughs> Cheers, Stephen. Thanks, Thanks a so lot, much. Stephen. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Ben. Cheers. Okay, bye. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I've got a story that actually genuinely affected me, so I want to discuss this with you. So 70-year-old amateur runner, and I think that's an important point to make, Dr. Frank Meza was accused of cheating at the LA Marathon back in March and, and faced unrelenting online scrutiny which basically became bullying. So now his, his race results have been under suspicion. A few of them have in the past as well. LA Marathon themselves decreed that he had violated a number of race rules. Mm. But it's the online, I'm going to call it the online mob mentality that mm. has sort of developed alongside this sort of investigative looking into people's race results, Yeah, which have, I, I, you can't say that they've resulted in a man taking his own life, but but that's what that's what happened, did it? See, essentially, he he went for a run. Yeah. At the, at the sort of the peak of this investigation, he he went for a run, and his body was found oh. in the LA River, and uh, the coroner report de- decreed suicide. Right. Um, and it, this was this was very much in in line with a lot of online reporting on yeah his race results. So it wasn't just a sporadic thing. It was sort of a, a culmination of all of this sort of stuff. Um. And I am of the standpoint that I think this online mentality and the, the attitude of being righteous online out, far outstrips any issue I have with someone cheating at a race. Yeah, it's a tricky one, mate, isn't it? I, I think we all want a fair and honest race, don't we? Of course. And I, I sympathise with people who, who want to uphold those values. Um, and I reckon they, that people see themselves as kind of protectors of the sport's integrity, and that's, that is noble in, in a way. Um, but it's self-decreed, though. Yeah, and I think it's also that the nature in which you go about yeah. sort of outing people. Because a lot of people who cheat, as wrong as that is, are kind of psychologically vulnerable. Like the reasons for cheating. Yeah. And the kind of headspace you have to be in to cheat in the first place. Yeah, I think actually we need to be more careful about how we go about kind of... Um, Vilifying. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's... I think so. And it's uh, it's a tricky one. And obviously when it has tragic results like that, or seemingly has had led to tragic results like that, then that's... Something's gone wrong, hasn't it? And actually, I mean, unfortunately, online stuff just leads to it's just sort of extreme kind of keyboard warriors, yeah, tapping away that you know, oh yeah, this guy's scum because he supposedly cheated. And, you know, I mean, it's I feel like that's that crosses over into a very dark world of sort of like where people's people's people identifying as runners have some sort of sense of absolute infallibility mm. to sort of criticize others or and not in fact infallibility is not the right but just an overarching like sense of being able to sort of rain yeah. justice down upon everyone i still think the principle of cheating is wrong and should and should be um something if you suspect someone's cheated i, I do think that oh yeah you know, i agree that, that should be called out it's, it's just a nature in which yeah it doesn't somebody cheating at a race doesn't make that person an absolutely ab- abhorrent human being, no. and I think that's that's the reaction you get is this, uh, um, you know, this scumbag has cheated and stuff. And I think that's that's where it gets wrong. It could be like uh, there are many reasons for cheating, none of which I'm would justify, but actually quite a lot of them are coming from a kind of place of vulnerability. I mean, I remember there was high-profile 
um, event like this, which was which was Rob Young who mm. attempted to run across America, and it was later found out that he'd very likely uh, been been cheating. And uh, again, I think it was right that he was called out on it. Um, but the nature of, of the way he was called out was fairly remorseless, actually. And Rob Young, like a lot of people who cheat, um, uh, came from you know incredibly challenging mm. background uh, and a vulnerable person, really. And it's kind of I think that has to be taken into account when we, when we call people out on that kind of thing. Well, anyway, I wanted to just highlight that one because I thought it was a super sort of important issue in a, as a sort of a subtext of running, which is mm. becoming more and more prevalent. It's mm. this sort of online chasing down of people who are seen to have done wrong. By the sport, yeah. 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 I wonder what our listeners have to say. Let, let us know what, what you think. Is it Are people absolutely within their right to call out people in any way they want? Or do we actually need to be a bit more sensitive when we do this stuff? Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk This is the Runners World Podcast. It's that time of the week again. His fingers on a button, his ears to the ground. He's done a bit of Googling and he's had a nose around. He's a detective wearing running shoes. Carrie McCarthy and his weekly running news. Uh, Mr McCarthy, welcome back with all your wonderful news. What's been going on? Afternoon. Thank you for having me again. Um, there's been quite a lot going on in the last week. I'm going to start with the Race to the Stones ultramarathon, which took place at the weekend. Yep. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's a 100-kilometre run in Wiltshire across the Ridgeway which is said to be the oldest road in Britain I've ridden my bike along it have you? yeah okay this isn't the Cyclist World podcast <laughs> just, so that's just FYI completely irrelevant but thank you for that <laughs> anyway as I was saying um, it was the Race to Stones at the weekend um, a very good runner by the name of Tom Fairbrother um, was taking part in it for the first time and in fact it was his first ultra marathon, I think of any sort right. and he won it Except he didn't. He took a wrong turning um, at 57 miles, which was, I think, about sort of five-ish miles to go. Um, he, let's say, misinterpreted one of, the, one of the arrows. There's some confusion as to what actually happened. But he ended up taking a wrong turning. He had to get his phone out, check Google Maps. He got to the finish and actually ran an extra mile and having been in telephone communication with the organisers had said, who had assured him that if he got to the finish, he would still win. Right. He got there in first place, I think about eight minutes ahead of the guy in second place, yeah. was presented as the winner, everything was hunky-dory, he was delighted, and then the race director came over and said, there's been a terrible mistake, you are in fact disqualified. Right. So no finishing time, no place. No finishing time, no medal, no nothing, thanks very much, but, you know... No thanks. So was was the the mistake m- refers to the reassurance that he was going to win? Yeah, there was some com- there was basically a mix up in communi- communication as far as I can tell. They had thought that he had gone wrong but had got himself back on the correct path. Okay. What happened was that he made his own way using Google Maps to get to the finish. Now, added on extra dis- uh, distance. Right. But because the last few miles weren't on the official course, mm. he gets disqualified. Um right. So I bring that up, obviously, because it's it's a good story, unless you're Tom. Sorry about that, Tom. I'm sure there'll be many more victories for you. But because I kind of, the first time I, I read it, I thought, is that a bit harsh if you go wrong in a race and you actually run extra distance? Should you be disqualified? So it's, it's basically if you haven't f- completed the official course. Correct. Yeah. So which, in my head, m- makes sense. Because then if you suggest that, then people could divert at any point willingly and get to the finish 
and, yeah. and win. Do you, I mean, I know he's gone further. Yeah. So that's not... I'm just saying, if you put the scenario of here's a race and, you know, you can do half of it and then make up the rest. I think that the, the principle is sound. Yeah. I wonder if it's just discretion. Because I remember... Um, remember the Red Bull steeplechase? Yes. Race? Yeah. 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 I remember Ricky Lightfoot, the great sort of fell runner, turned up once and he... He won, and he went slightly wrong on the course, and it was everyone knew he went slightly wrong. But he won by a similar margin, I think. And they decided in that instance that, well, it was you know, it was, a, it was an honest mistake. You won; it wouldn't have affected the result, and he, and that victory stood. So there's a kind of inconsistency with this stuff. Got it. But I agree that in principle, following the, the correct course is, of course, an important part of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in no way do I think that he he you know the disqualification seems. Fair, but I'm just like I'm playing devil's know, advocate in that it's, way. It's, of like, it's yeah. a tough one, isn't it? The, I mean, cor- yeah. the course is the course, right? Like you know. Yeah. But, but if you run further, though, like, you run play further, to and he still finished about eight minutes ahead of second place. But you know, it's it's an interesting one. But we'll be interested to hear what you guys think. Let us know at podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. Um, next up, we have uh, a new world record in the women's mile, which um, was broken on Friday at the Diamond League in Monaco. Um, Sifan Hassan of the Netherlands broke it. She ran four twelve thirty three, which is. Ooh. Fractionally faster than my own mile, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, she beats a record which had been um, standing for 23 years. Wow. Um, she didn't break it by that much, but obviously it's fine margins when you're talking mm. about the mile. I, th- I believe yeah. her previous record was 4.12.56 um, by Svetlana Mastakova of Russia, um, which I think she broke in, in 1996. So um, I think that is pretty phenomenal. Round. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I was looking at the splits. It's I think she ran six, 64, 64, 62, 62, roughly speaking. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. So not only is that consistent, it's like a, a negative split for the second half. Jeez. So she didn't go out hard and hang on. She kind of went yeah, out and then went right. I'm ramping this up. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's interesting because there was uh, um, at the night of the ten thousand meter PBs, like kind of a side to that was was the, the media mile. Yeah. So lots of media types like ourselves had a go at running a mile. And there's some good runners amongst it, but... That's a privileged bunch. You know, you realise there were some good runners who were running low fives. Yeah. And you think that's actually pretty good sort of club runner territory. You think getting down low fours, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's astonishing. But, you know, I think you, you have to have pretty much a lifetime of yeah. that base of speed training to be able to do 100%. it. 100%. Um, I remember um, the ultra runner and author Darren and Finn uh, yeah. wrote a feature for us once a few years ago on how he had used to run short distances and he, he spent quite a while trying to get below five minutes for the purposes of this feature and I think I think we had to postpone the feature the first time because he was having such a hard time doing it and I think it took him um, Darren if you're listening to this and we've got it wrong apologies let us know but I think it was somewhere between six months and a year yeah, to get that. to take about thirty seconds off his time, mm. so it just shows how difficult it is. Uh, oh, yeah. That when you get down to those speeds, you can take great chunks off. Mm. Yeah. Once you get down to about kind of six-ish, then it gets pretty hairy. Um, and finally, just a heads up um, for fans of of doing all sorts of races, Runners World are going to be partnering with the race portal Let's Do This dot com later this year. There's going to be. An enormous jamboree, basically uh, a huge uh, award ceremony taking place in October. Basically a celebration of of mass participation events. I think, as I mentioned on last week's podcast, mass participation has gone down, Mm. um, not just in the UK, but in other countries. And we, and let's do this, obviously think there's we should be pushing races more. Everyone loves doing them, whether it's for the bling or the sense of achievement or the Mm. T-shirt or whatever it is. Um, And we want to encourage people not only to take part in races, but to put them on. And the way to do this is obviously to help publicise them. So let's do this, are encouraging people to go onto their portal um, and to 
uh, rate the races that they've run. Mm-hmm. Um, if you enter a certain number, you can enter a prize draw um, to get all manner of prizes. If you're an organiser, um, if your race hits a certain number of positive reviews, you will go through to a second round at the end of the summer. You will possibly get onto a shortlist. Uh, and the winners for 13 different categories across marathon, half marathon, 10K, etc., etc., will be announced um, at the Challenge Awards, co-hosted by us on uh, Let's Do This.com at the Queen's Club, um, Andy Murray's favourite tournament, <laughs> on the 18th of October. Um, and there are quite there are quite a lot of money up for grabs, actually. There's apparently up to 10 grand in mm. prize money for each winning category event. So if you're an existing race organiser, you're thinking about putting on an event, get involved. Sounds good. Yep. I might get the half point half on there. What do you think? No. <laughs> <laughs> You get some cracking votes afterwards, yeah, though. I think so, yeah. We got everyone to vote after about eight miles. You probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kerry, that's great. Thanks very much for, Thanks, for coming on again. Yeah, cheers. Cheers, mate. This is the Runners World podcast. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. I'd like to say a huge thanks to our guests, Isaac Williams and Stephen Cousins, and to Number 8 Studios in Soho, where this was recorded. For more news, reviews, interviews, and much, much more from the wide world of running, please head over to runnersworld.com UK. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, and thanks to Acast, our hosting partner. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.